Welcome to another edition of Masks, Mats, and Mayhem. I am your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75, and you can email the MMM show at mmmshow75 at gmail.com. That's about all of the plugging I can get out in one breath. Who are you over there? You sitting there, guy? Uh, I am Byron Turk at Byron Fever on Twitter and Snapchat and Venmo as usual. All right. And on the phone, we got our other co-host, Casey Nielsen. Casey, what's going on? Hey, what's up? You can find me at Lucha Gringo on Twitter. And I have a question for you, Justin. What time is it? What time is it? I think we should. It's time to pay something. What am I paying? Am I not? Am I not following this? I'm stupid. What am I, what's, what's it time for? Uh, resident Lucha expert, wrestling expert Casey, would you tell Justin what it's time to pay? It's time to pay the toll, son. Oh shit! Is it that time? Fuck! That's right. Um, joining us on the phone also today, right now, we have the fucking toll man, Kevin Cross. Kevin, are you there? I am. Good fucking evening since we're dropping F-bombs. Yeah, well, you know what? We we uh, we worked really hard to earn an explicit rating a few weeks back. Uh, Casey, when, when he officially joined the show, really put us over very quickly into the F-bomb world. I think we got the explicit tag when you threw his face in our um, picture for the show. Maybe. Casey just... Uh, Casey doesn't use Disney words, <laughs> so I guess we all can get away with it now. But thank you for joining the show. Um, I've just been been it's been brought to my attention that we're wearing uh, shirts today that you're going to hate, Kevin. But I'll tell you about that later. So um, anyway, so I'm going to start right off with this, Kevin. We're, we're going to talk to you. And for the people listening at home, we'll get to our Lucha review later. Um, and we'll probably talk a little MMA with Kevin. But for those of you guys who don't know who Kevin Cross is, a get out from under the fucking rock you live under because this guy's beast um, and B. You're holding a belt right now, aren't you? I am. I am the FSW World Heavyweight Champion, and I will be coming up on one year as the FSW Champion in September, and I have also been undefeated for over two years in Future Stars of Wrestling, which is in Las Vegas. I have not been pinned or sued. Jesus Christ, man. You've been holding on to that thing. Like, <laughs> you've been... With how many times molecule you, in my body. Like, how many times have you had to defend that thing? I'm defending it usually two to three times a month. If I'm lucky, it'll be one time a month. But that one uh, title defense is going to be against somebody who is of uh, very important stature, somebody like Brian Cage or Timothy Thatcher. We went to war. Jesus. Wow. And you still held on to it, too? Those guys are beasts. Yeah, fucking freaks. And and so I got to ask you, like, how are things going at FSW right now? I've seen some some of the promos that you've been cutting on uh, Paul E. Culver over there. Uh, are things okay with you in FSW? Well, <clears throat> it's kind of hard to say. Part of me wants to say yes, part of me wants to say no. Uh, they had this puppet head commissioner named Paulie Culver. He's a media guy. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but he's a little bit of a spin artist. And he likes to put his own perspective on things, which isn't exactly uh, an identical reflection of reality, so to speak. He's kind yeah. of on another fucking planet, to put it bluntly. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You know, he just, uh, he's had it out for me since day one. I'm not the ideal champion that he's looking for. Uh, I'm somebody who goes in there, and I'm not a yes man. I do whatever the fuck I want, and that usually entails dive-bombing people on their heads, which is what people like. And for him, on his end, that's not good for business, because oh. people show up, and then they just disappear. <laughs> well, I have to say that we are certainly entertained by it. Um, 
I, I pretty much only like to see people get dive bombed on their head. I mean, that's pretty yeah, much my yeah. MO. No, that's what I would want to see out of my champion for sure. But, you know, exactly. I, I know there was some some controversy with you leaving an event with the belt and not knowing what, what status you had with those guys. And, you know, do you feel like you're going to get things patched up over there in Vegas? Uh, the good news is, is that things actually, as of today, have just been recently patched up. Uh, I was uh, I finished my annual contract. I had an annual contract that finished the term, I believe, about a week ago or two weeks ago. And uh, this Paul Lee Colbert guy uh, never reached out to me to resign a contract, although he was publicly saying that he was doing this. So, you know, he just basically kind of tried to drag the waters and say that he had emailed it to me, he had faxed it to me, he was publicly saying the guy's not returning my phone calls. He never reached out to me. And uh, that's that's the honest-to-God truth. So I never really had an opportunity to re-sign a contract. But there was the other side of it, which I can't deny. You know, every single major company on the planet has been reaching out to me over the last, uh, fair to say, about a year. And they put proposals out on the table. And I was just really waiting for the right one. I was waiting for the one that my heart was going to be into. And my contract was up. This guy's taking me around. And I did what any normal human being would do. Uh, I basically just assessed my options. And he took advantage of that. Uh, and just tried to spin it in his own direction and try to basically hurt my integrity towards a professional wrestling audience. Um, but things are good, and there's going to be a public statement released by FSW very soon regarding all of that stuff. But uh, it's going to be in everyone's favor. There's some big things coming. Well, see, now, yeah, that sounds like a, an awful situation in general that's turned around into a good one because it gave you a chance to kind of reach out and look around there and, and a reason to. And hopefully, you know, a place that you've been a great champion for for a year is, is some place that you still can call home to a certain extent or, you, you know, stay friendly with. I'm sure you did a lot of work over there for those guys. Absolutely. This company gave me my break. It was the first platform that I had uh, for people to see what I'm capable of and what I can do. So I'm very grateful for that. It's just a shame that it's just like any professional company. You know, these guys, they get this job and maybe they've never had a job like that before. And that job becomes a part of their identity. And that's 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 not who we are. And this guy's taking this job a little too fucking seriously. And, uh, <laughs> he's going to be uh, on a one-way ticket to the hospital in the very near future. Which is amazing to me because you are like really not the guy that I would – choose to get on the wrong side of i don't yeah. think well yeah exactly i mean this he's very he's, he's not exactly stupid he's a very smart guy so i'm expecting a couple uh a couple surprises along the way he's kind of notorious for that oh, so i'm just watching my step too as well he's not the one who's going to be able to pull the trigger or anything but he knows a lot of people so we'll see yeah i mean um, you know, and I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit too about where you were looking around at other stuff, but I want people to get a feel for, for who you are before we get into some of that. So like, give us a little bit of the rundown of like, how'd you get into this whole thing? I mean, no one just wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I want to be the fucking FSW champion, or I want to be a pro wrestler. Like, there's gotta be something that, that gets you to that point. Like what, what brought you into this game in the first place? You know, honestly, um, Ever since I was a little kid, the very first memory that I could ever recall was watching TV, and the Ultimate Warrior was pinning Hulk Hogan. And you know, I was, I was that 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 memory was imprinted in my mind forever. I always grew up watching professional wrestling. Always, it was something that I always wanted to be a part of. It was something I always wanted to do. But the family that I came up in, they were all competing in boxing. They were all competing in. Uh, uh, freestyle Greco-Roman catch wrestling, Volk, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, I just, uh, I was kind of like a third generation competitor. I mean, there was other stuff too. There was football and baseball and stuff like that, but I could never, it, it never had that 
magnetic uh, attraction to me as wrestling and boxing. And, you know, just growing up in a family like that, it became second nature. And I, I found out at a very early age that I liked to hit people and I didn't mind being hit. <laughs> and I thought that it would be a, a good suit for me to, you know, be a prize fighter. So I kind of did what I wouldn't recommend anybody to do. I wound up uh, trying to see if I really knew what the fuck I was doing. And I, I wound up taking a lot of fights on native reserves and stuff like that up in uh, Canada. Oh, geez. I yeah. won't exactly say what Providence, because I don't know if I'm allowed to even say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's some serious but, business uh, right there, though. Yeah, we were fighting. It was me and a couple other guys from a few boxing gyms. We were trying to put on the down low. And uh, we were fighting bare knuckles. It was really the only way to make any money. Like, it was, we were taking buses all over the place. We were in a car. Jeez. Um, and it just, uh, at, a, at a certain point, felt insane. So I stopped and tried to be a normal human being and get a regular job. And that didn't work. And then um, I actually ran into uh, Mauricio Veo, who was the head, one of the head coaches. He's part of the old guard from Chute Box, Brazil, with uh, Shogun. He was Shogun's coach. Right. I began, I began training under him, and I started to go dojo to dojo and MMA academy to another academy. I started picking things up, and I was like, you know, it just took me a long time to decide what it was about competing that I really loved. And to be perfectly honest with you, what I found out that I loved the most was the spectacle of it. And I had this huge support system around me to compete, right. but I didn't have any support really to do pro wrestling because – they were like, well, hey, listen, this is a good fit for you. But it, for me, it was a comfort zone. So one day I just woke up and I said, I got to fucking do this. Like I've been wondering my whole life whether I can do this, if I'd be any good at it. It's time to stop fantasizing. It's time to put my fucking foot forward and take this seriously and try it. It's been the most fulfilling experience I've ever had in my life. I love this business. Well, I got to say, it even more now that I'm a part of it. So far, it looks like it's definitely a pretty good fit for you. I mean, you're mm -hmm. coming in with. Uh, and people who haven't seen Kevin here, uh, he's got a, a, a very considerable build, I'll say. He looks very intimidating, um, you know, and, and honestly, a lot of wrestlers don't have the kind of look that you have coming into the ring. And I've also seen some of your training videos, and I've kickboxed on myself, so I know what it takes to even just work a bag the way you, that you go at it. Like, you're not a guy who is, has any deficit in the ability to fight for real. Um, I can tell that right off the bat. So when you see Kevin and he's coming to the ring, this guy looks like he's going to just tear shit up immediately. Um, and you can tell that like you you are one of those people that I can see have that real fighter spirit inside you. Like how, how tall are you? What, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, six, uh, six, Jesus, and what, what do you weigh in at? Where do you come in? My weight's actually been fluctuating a little bit lately because it's starting to get hot. I'm, I'm situated out of Vegas, but usually I'll wake up at uh, 265, and by the end of the day, once I get my water in me and everything, I'm weighing in around 272. Ooh. Yeah. So not a cruiserweight. You're definitely up there with, yeah. with the big guys. <laughs> yeah. But you can move. You, you get around, though, too. I've seen you move like a cruiserweight almost sometimes. I mean, what, Absolutely. what was the, uh, what was the in-ring training like once you started to, to go into the wrestling and to, and to add those moves into your repertoire? Well, um, the very first person that got hands on me was Michael Modest. If you remember him from Noah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Michael was teaching out here at, uh, at an academy here in Vegas. And, um, it was really actually probably one of the best people for me to work with because, uh, Michael Modest has a legitimate background in wrestling. He understands the dynamics of it. So he was able to translate a lot of what I was thinking into what I needed to be doing. And he really didn't want to change 
me. Uh, it didn't really want to change how I moved or did anything. He was just kind of teaching me uh, kind of how to translate, as I said. And I've just been very fortunate to be around a lot of really good people to kind of pick up uh, the things that I needed to learn. And, you know, I, I uh, when I get into something, I'm very obsessive and very passionate about it. It's been a, a 24-7, seven-day-a-week thing for me. Everything I'm doing, whether it's eating, sleeping, uh, training, watching footage, it's all for professional wrestling. I want to expedite the process to be in my mind where I think I should be. And um, a lot of the training, honestly, is mental. It's just being mentally prepared to get in there and do right. whatever it takes, whatever's necessary to be within that category, within that spot, to be on that show that you want to be in. And, um, yeah, to, to answer your question directly, it was, it was Modest. It was Michael Modest. Uh, he put me through all the training I needed, and I was always training on my own anyways. Right. So, so you already I had the dedication the in there, and you, you just needed to get pointed in a direction. I mean, what do you consider your style? Because when I, when I watch you, it almost feels um, it almost feels like some of the shoot guys, like a, a Josh Barnett or something to me, where you're coming in with more catch wrestling and shoot style and boxing. And, and you know, is there do you have a name for what your style of wrestling is or what you consider your style? Absolutely. I want to say thank you for uh, comparing me or even relating me to Josh Barnett because I've been a big fan of his. Um, yes, absolutely. I really believe that there is room right now. Uh, within the industry to bring back Pancrase style of professional wrestling. Oh, I love UWFI. Um, I was living vicariously through guys like Gary Albright and Doc Death. Um, you know, Steve Williams was was murdering people. Oh, God, uh, you yes. Know, guys like uh, Kawada, uh, Masawa, Kabashi. I've tried to take elements like that that I've really loved, uh, and I'm trying to bring that back into the ring because it's a very, very difficult style to emulate. And you gotta, you know, be able to uh, walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk with that type of stuff. So, uh, I would call it Pancreas Pro Wrestling. Casey, what do you think about that? I know that you're you're a huge mark for that style too, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, I uh, I actually got Byron watching uh, some of the the Takata versus Vader matches. Oh yeah. Uh, they were so fun, and as. Uh, this is kind of like a question I have for you as a guy that's a, a larger guy doing that sort of thing uh, against kind of uh, more of a cruiserweight opponent. Who are you? Whose style, like as a UWF guy, are you looking to uh, kind of emulate? Is it more like the Albrights and the Doctor Deaths, where you're dropping fuckers on their heads, or are you looking to work in some more striking too? What kind of what kind of approach do you see yourself having? I take it match to match. I'm gonna, I'm basically going to assess where the guy is I'm going to be in the ring with. I look at what he does. I think about what I can do. And it's going to be it's going to be different every time. Uh, give you an example. Hypothetically speaking, if I was going to compete against uh, someone like Chris Hero, uh, this is a very accomplished striker. He's got a lot of good chain wrestling and so forth. I might be more inclined to get behind him. Blast him from behind, dump him on his head that way. Or let's say, for instance, if I was competing against somebody like uh, like Josh Barnett. I know Josh Barnett's a very good uh, catch wrestler. Maybe I'm going to keep the distance. I'm going to strike from the outside. When he starts to get a little loopy, I'm going to take a high crotch single, get his back, dump him on his head. I'm always going to make it different. You're never going to see the same thing twice for me. Well, I'm always going to pop as long as it ends with you dumping the guy on his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've seen some cool head dumps in the, in in person, and just really enjoyed that. 
That's what I'm all about. I'm all about giving the people what they want and doing what I do best, 100%, every single time. Well, I mean, so we, we've kind of opened the door here into, into the MMA world, and this show definitely covers MMA. What, what do you think about uh, the, especially Brock Lesnar coming back from WWE and, and heading into the UFC again? What are your thoughts on a guy in his position, like really trying to do this again now sans the diverticulitis or however you say that? I don't mean any disrespect, but I'm nervous for him because yeah, me too. Oh, he's yeah. been able, yeah. I mean, like uh, he's he's been able to come back, you know, almost from the dead, yeah. and he's been able to resurrect his status, his presence, and his career through professional wrestling. You know, he's back bigger than ever, and he's taking a massive gamble. Uh, not that Mark Hunt is like a nobody. This is a this is a certified killer. He has a very long history of fighting the best of the best in the world, whether it's been from K1, whether he's done, uh, you know, anything from Pride to UFC. He's gotten in there with anybody. I don't think that guy's ever turned down a fight against anyone. He took fights he never should have took. Yeah, I don't think he has either. We were talking about this last week. Like, Mark is the kind of guy that, like, when he found out that Bigfoot Silva was on some kind of PED or whatever, he was just like, what's a PED? He didn't even realize it. Like, he's just a good guy, and he just says yes, and he goes in there, and he drops bombs on people i mean he just wants to knock your head off that's it that's all he does yeah i think uh i think brock moving forward in this fight obviously he knows that uh he doesn't want to stand with this guy so it's going to be very tricky and how he's going to have to cut his angles to get mark on the ground obviously we kind of know this is going to be a very classic fight where it's going to be a striker versus a wrestler but uh mark's not a fish out of the water um but i mean brock lesnar if, if that guy takes you down there's probably only Two percent of the heavyweights in the UFC that are going to be able to get back onto the feet. We know Kane is one of them. Yeah. Um, but but uh, when I his mean, knees are good, Kane's one of them. <laughs> right, right. This is the uh, the pre Junior Dos Santos wars. Exactly. It, it's uh, you know, he's going to have to watch for knees. He's going to have to watch for uppercuts. Mark's probably going to be more comfortable than he's ever been in his entire life with this fight because Brock really only has one way to win this fight. I, I hate to say it, it's going to be on the ground. Oh, absolutely. He's dealing with. But it makes me wonder, like, what the fuck does Brock know that the rest of us don't know? It's not exactly like this guy has to accept a fight that he doesn't like. I mean, this is a special circumstance. And if he comes back for this special thing and says, ah, yeah, that's not really the fight I'm looking for, I'm pretty sure they would make a different phone call for the fucking guy. So I feel like, you know, everyone's saying uh, Mark's just going to take him out and take him out. But now I'm starting to say, shit, does Brock Lesnar know something that we don't know? Like, does Brock really have it? Or maybe... Maybe he's telling himself something we don't know and he's wrong. I don't know. But, I, you know, you hear all these rumors about how Brock doesn't like to get hit in the face and how he's afraid of a punch. And then he picks the one guy who is the guy most on the planet that I would be afraid of getting punched from. Like, literally, single-handedly, the only guy that I would be like, yeah, if you had to tell me, if I had to tell you exactly who I would least want to get hit by in the face on the entire planet, I would say Mark Hunt. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Brock Lesnar picks this guy or lets this guy be picked. I feel like he's got to know something that the rest of us don't know. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. I know, I know, uh, I have it on good authority that he's actually been training jujitsu like a fucking maniac for the last couple months. So maybe he's thinking that, uh, you know, he's just willing to eat one or two shots to get in. And that he's, he's confident that with his athletic ability and his strength, that he's going to be able to exploit 
some footage that he's probably watched with his camp to get you know some sort of side choke or something on him. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that Brock is strong enough that he doesn't even need to be the most technical person. He could probably crush somebody's fucking mandible if he put a headlock around their mouth. And he's so, a smart I mean, guy too. I don't. I do not doubt for a second that this guy at this stage in his career could actually learn some new techniques. He's not an old dog yet. I mean, you know, there, there's definitely still room for improvement, and he's got that kind of drive and determination that if somebody was going to come with something new and surprise you. I I would put my money on Brock to be one of the guys that could easily do something like that. Well, is this his biggest payday for a return match? I I, I got to assume it is. I mean, now with with UFC, they will disclose what he was paid the night of the fight. Mm-hmm. They won't disclose his bonuses and whatnot. So there could be plenty of, of back end money and pay-per-view points and shit that we'll never know about. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know that the headliners on the cards already have their pay-per-view point set. And when they heard Brock was announced, they were ecstatic. I mean, it was like Daniel Cormier just hit the fucking lotto because he gets Brock Lesnar on his card and he's probably already getting three or four points on the pay-per-view. So, I yeah. mean, it's going to be huge, though. It's going to be huge. UFC 200 is really, really going to be huge. Um, and And I love the fact that, you know, for a guy like me, and throughout the years, I, I've been a huge MMA fan and a huge wrestling fan since the dawn of time. I, I don't have a problem liking both. A lot of people have had issues with the crossover between the two and, you know, what what they kind of look like to the other side, what one side likes compared to the other side. I love the fact that these worlds are starting to reconverge together for me as a fan of both. It just, I, I just pop through the roof. I, I also, it also makes me pop for you, Kevin, because I love seeing the guys that come in that I know have some training. I love seeing the video of you. I think you were in uh, what the syndicate gym or something out there in Vegas kicking yeah, the bags. I got a really good working relationship with syndicate. It's an excellent Academy out here. Yeah, I mean, and I, and, and I love that. I love hearing about the guys that are, like, you know, in the dealing with the, the MMA guys and bringing it into wrestling and vice versa. You know, I, I think there's room for that crossover. I mean, it's part of why we do this show the way we do it. I, I just feel like that that's where it's at. I don't care what kind of style it is, what kind of work it is. These are all athletes that are out there putting themselves on the line, and they're doing it for our entertainment, and they're risking themselves, and it's just badass on both ends, you know? Byron right now is watching a, uh, some video of you in the bad boy shorts, just whooping up on some mitts. <laughs> I love it. Um, man, who no? God damn UFC with that Reebok deal. And I'm seeing you in these shorts and pisses me off. Cause you know, I was friends with the tap out guys and I love the bad boy stuff. It looks so menacing. And now people can't wear that shit to the fucking cage. It pisses me off so bad. That's a real shame. That actually was, a, you know, I don't like to ever get too negative about it, but that was really like a major deterrent for me on uh, trying to compete professionally at that level as well. I really didn't like how, uh, you know, from the outside at least, I'll say humbly, that the UFC is trying to monopolize all of the revenue that's coming into the company. And then, you know, if they're in charge of that, then they really can delegate who's getting paid what, uh, when, and why. So that was just, that was kind of revolting for me. I love Reebok, but. I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand, or I guess I don't want to understand why the fuck they would do something like that. Because a lot of guys lost their homes, they they lost their major income source, all of the networking they were doing on their own to get the money that they deserve. Now it's out the window unless you're fighting for Bellator or something. But the right. money's not going to be there for Bellator like it was for UFC because UFC is like the kingpin of uh, mixed martial arts world. So it's a real shame. 
Well, it is, and it's, I think it's why my my friends that were running Tap Out kind of got out, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's gone over to WWE now and and other places, and and they just they they stop seeing the market there for them. Casey, what were you going to say about that? Yeah, I noticed that, uh, that you're kind of in with a couple companies that kind of sponsor fighters like uh, Barbell Apparel and stuff like that. Absolutely, they uh, I've got a really good relationship with them. They're endorsing and sponsoring me with their stuff, and. Um, that's been uh, an absolute blessing for me, especially being a professional athlete. I've gotten a lot of exposure for them, and it's been very good. Now, my question is, though, they call them athletic, fit denim, and uh, that it's performance. Does that mean it's like those old-school Chuck Norris action jeans? Uh, it comes with karate chop action as well. Just, you know, <laughs> your strength goes up 10% when you put the fucking jeans on. I'm, I'm buying a pair right now. You need it, Casey. <laughs> yeah, he needs that 10%. Oh, man. You know, I, I totally agree. It's like, you know, I saw, especially with the tap out stuff, I saw what those sponsorships meant to guys that were coming up, especially not even the big guys. Like, you know, Chuck Liddell, he didn't even cash his first check from, from tap out. He has it framed on his wall. He refused to cash it. He didn't need their money. But those younger guys, man, we used to do it on the show that I worked on all the time. Those guys needed it. I mean, they, they couldn't have been professional fighters. You wouldn't have Cowboy Cerrone right now if it weren't for, for Tap Out and companies like that sponsoring him. And now That's right. you, you wonder, people wonder why Cowboy gets these weird attitudes after the fucking fights. It's because he can't wear his old trunks. And if you don't know the guy, he, he's worn a piece of his original Muay Thai trunks sewn into all of his trunks. Um, you know, since forever. And when Tap Out sponsored him, they're like, no, no, you wear our trunks. And he was like, no, no, I wear these. And they they custom created a pair of Cowboy Cerrone Tap Out trunks with this little thing sewn into it. And they still supported him and they gave him his money and they gave him all his bonuses and stuff. You know, and, and he needed that to keep going. I mean, and now look at the guy. He's at the top of the lightweight division and the 170 division. He's jumping all over the place these days. But, I mean, I, it just hurts me a little bit. Like, I, I still love USC. I see what they're doing. I get it. It's a business. They're allowed to, but it's a shame that they're not, you know, letting the companies that support and want to support these people in. And I'm glad that you found a good sponsor for yourself as an athlete because it, it can make the difference. You know, when you can go to the gym and, and worry about doing your shit and getting your shit in instead of worrying about keeping the lights on, that's a big deal for a professional athlete. How do you become a professional if you can't go and train your craft? 100%. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I get on my little high horse with this shit, but I, I everybody's got their pet peeves. Um, so coming out of the MMA world, I've seen some stuff on on the Twitters, on on the internets about you recently. People have a lot of questions. I think a lot of it stemmed out of this, you know, not knowing what was going on with with FSW thing. Where, where you know, who talked to you? Or have you ended up anywhere? Have you had any conversations with anything? You know, we've heard stuff about WWE maybe coming at you and Lucha Underground and these other places. Like, what's going on? What can we kind of see coming up for you? I've, I've had a healthy correspondence with WWE for quite some time, actually. I, I, uh, they contacted me for a tryout. I believe it was last year. It was in uh, Columbus, Ohio, at the Arnold's. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very intense. They did it publicly. It was in front of 180,000 people. Oh, yeah, and, that's, uh, that's no small crowd. <laughs> right. And uh, I'd uh, prepared for that very strategically. I stopped lifting weights, I believe, three weeks out. I was doing nothing but circuit training. I was sparring. I was boxing. I was wrestling. 
went in there and I absolutely crushed it. And it was a really enjoyable experience. And uh, I've just uh, I've been in contact with them ever since, on and off. And uh, just over time, you know, I started to see. I don't know. I just I kind of found what was going to make me feel fulfilled moving forward. And I got to be honest with you. When uh, I was contacted by Lucha Underground to come down and check the place out, mm-hmm. it only took one time to go down there and really physically, mentally, and spiritually feel that this was something that I really wanted to be a part of. And, you know, everyone always wants to be a part of WWE getting into the business. And, uh, you know, I have, I don't know if it's any different than anyone else's. I haven't had a lot of in depth conversations with people about it. But for me personally, I want to have an extensive career in Japan. And I would love to be a part of Lucha Underground in whatever capacity they will have me in. Um, you know, the rumors uh, on the internet that I was doing darks for season two and three are true. And uh, I've been working very, very closely with Vampiro, who's very much become a mentor to me um, in, you know, having something in the immediate future. And that's really all I can say about it. But, um, you know, I, I don't have any uh, ill feelings towards WWE or TNA or ROH or New Japan or anything like that. It's just for me right now, my heart sincerely is with Lucha. Uh, the fans there, there's, <laughs> there, there's, there's no other fans on the planet like the ones that are at Lucha Underground. Uh, and just being there live and being a part of it, seeing it, I'm very fortunate and very grateful to be a part of the professional wrestling industry at this present time. Because you go back and you watch stuff, you know, like ECW, and you go and you watch crazy moments from WCW, like when Paul Heyman put the uh, the group together with uh, Stone Cold and Medusa and the Brainbusters and Rick Rude, uh, the Dangerous Alliance. You know, I mean, like you look at stuff like that, and from a fan standpoint, you're like, that would have been fucking awesome to be there. <laughs> And see that, and you're seeing all of these like amazing moments throughout time, and you watch the pancreas, and you're like, you know, could I do that? Would I be able to do that? Or wouldn't it just be awesome to be there live? And you feel like you're watching uh, history in the making. Every single time I've been at Lucha Underground, without you know being over dramatic, I really feel like Lucha Underground is doing something historical for the industry right now. I think all of us right now being alive while this is happening, and not watching old footage of Bachwinkle and Ray Stevens and going, oh, that was cool. Like, you know, th- this is like we're we're seeing something right now that people are going to be looking back on honestly in 60 or 70 or 80 years going i wish i was around for that we were all there for that right now and that's really something special yeah and and i gotta tell you that um we agree with you like Mm -hmm. i i was the biggest wrestling fan for a long time like i said i'm mma and wrestling fan and there was a point in time and anyone who listens to this show regularly knows it where where i left for a while i left i was a huge mark um, I, I don't even know if I was a Mark, but I was a, I was a true fan is what I would, I would say. Not a Mark, a true fan and, and a supporter. Um, and I was a big ECW and WCW guy as well. And I left for a long, long time. And then I heard about Lucha Underground coming through the grapevine. And I, I was just like, I have a feeling that this, this, they're saying the right things right now. They're saying Mark Burnett and Robert Rodriguez, and they're bringing in Krista Joseph. And like, they're doing, they're going to do something here. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. I didn't know if it was going to be cheesy, if it was going to be too schlocky. You know, I didn't know if Robert Rodriguez was going off the rails here or spending money that he couldn't afford to 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 spend. Yeah, it was like it was another gimmick wrestling show, like wrestling match, like right. wrestling society X. Like, 
is are they how long are they even going to be here right and it, and it was a little scary at first but i was like you know what I'm going to give this one a shot because, you know, I, I miss what ECW especially meant to me back in the mm-hmm. day. I got on early, but I was, you know, I was born in Cleveland. Philly wasn't that far. Pittsburgh, the places they were running shows. So I got to go to a lot of those shows. It meant something to me. Those more blue collar, rough guys like that. That's where I was from. So it meant something to me. And then I was like, I heard about this Lucha thing. I was like, I've watched some some CML and I've watched some AAA and I was like, yeah. I appreciate the performers, but what they're how they're working it doesn't quite work for me. So you know I'll respect it, but it's not really my thing. Then I watched the first few Lucha Undergrounds, and I was like, "What? What did I just experience?" I didn't say, "What did I just see?" I didn't say, "What was that wrestling that was just on?" I said to myself, "What did I just experience?" And then I found out Byron and Casey were going to shows, and I was like. Put me on a fucking list. Who do I got to blow? What do I got to do to get into a fucking show? Because I want to go see this shit. Just like back at the fucking ECW arena when I was getting beers spilled on me as a teenager. Like, I want to go see this shit and see what the fuck's going on. I went to one show and I was like, oh my God, this place is my home. I officially love, love, love with a passion wrestling again. That was it. It was that simple for me. Um, And... Part of, you know, my love for it turned into this podcast and, you know, same with with Casey and Byron. But I can't even tell you what it means to guys like us that sit there in that place and cheer and and sweat and, and appreciate what the performers are doing to hear one of the performers saying how much it means to them too, you know, really resonates with us. Yeah. And, you know, it's a shoot. You know, anyone that, that comes from... Uh from Lucha that will be on the show or any other show and they tell you how much they love and adore this place, that's not like company programming. That's like sincere. Like this is a locker room that I have never, ever, you know, been in before where like everybody loves each other. This is a fucking family. And that's something really special. And that's not something you could forget. It's not something that you could take for granted. Um, it's something really special, and I wish I could find another word because I really feel like I'm not even doing the justice of it, but words elude me when I try to go into how cohesive of a unit this whole thing is. It's really something special, and as you know, I think you could agree with me on this, that translates to the audience as you felt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, look, uh, you know, I, I tweeted it out the other day that I, I thanked Eric Van Wagnen, who's, the, you know, the top dog over there on a day-to-day yep. basis. I just said thanks for letting us be a part of your family. I mean... As just as fans, they really uh, took care of us at Ultima Lucha and, uh, and, you know, even personally addressed some of our concerns, which I won't get into because it's irrelevant. But, you know, just as regular old fans, just people who come to the show, yeah, we have a podcast or whatever. But these guys were just, they, they had no obligation to do anything for us, to acknowledge us in any way, shape or form. Um, and and it's just it's just a family there between the fans, between the wrestlers, like, you know, there's certain boundaries you don't cross. There's certain things you don't, you know, break. But at the same time, I I feel like they know what we are as fans as a part of the show. I think there's they, a shared passion. There is a shared passion. They know what the talent is doing to put over their matches. It's not just, hey, go out there and set yourself on fire. You'll get your fucking appearance fee. Come back in three weeks, you'll get another one. It's not that. Right. It's we're trying to build something here. And I think I think the only word that you can put on it was the word that you did put on it, which is family. That's the thing that I think isn't there. And and you you'll see if you go back in time and you look at WWE and the attitude era, 
those guys did feel like a family then mm -hmm. because yes. they were starting to get their ass kicked. They were under the gun. They banded together in the back and they came out with something. They went for it. They fucking went for it. As mighty as Vince is now and as comfortable as he is now, back then he had his fucking ass getting handed to him and they decided to all band together and go for it and try something. And those are the times when if you look back on what the performers were saying then, the workers were saying back at that time in WWE, I believe it probably was the same feeling that you're getting right now. I think that was a family. I think it was the same thing at, at ECW where it was like, shit, Paul's not fucking paying us. We're going out here doing crazy spots. But at the same time, fuck, we'll get ours as soon as there's something to get. And we're going out here and we're going to put on the show because it's a fucking family. Mm -hmm. I think there's those rare times in the wrestling business in history where that happens. And uh, I, I congratulate you on being in a position to capitalize on one of those very, very rare moments in history in the business. Absolutely. I agree with you. And if you recall, too, during that Attitude Era and ECW, um, every single person that walked through that curtain on that stage was over. And that was something special. Mm -hmm. And everyone from Val Venus to Kai and Ty to the New Age Outlaws, everyone into Generation X, uh, you know, every single person that walked out, aside from the main eventers, you know, mid-card and opening, everyone was over. And... I hate to say it, but there's an absence of that in uh, commercialized professional wrestling right now. And that, to me, is a fucking shame. And I can't undermine the intelligence of anyone and say that I really know why that is, because I'm not there. I can't honestly say I know why. I can only speculate, but right. fuck, yeah. you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a shame. And that does not exist with Lucha. And that's something else that really hit me right away, is that there's love for everyone. Even when there's hate, there's still love. <laughs> You know, that was that was fucking beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see. Well, we're we're happy and uh I think at this point we can say that we have seen you work some of those dark matches. Um we won't tell you guys out there in the world any of the results of them. I will only say that uh Byron is the one that forced me to wear this Vinny Massaro shirt right now. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Byron's look, look. You don't even know it, but you should definitely have heat with Byron, Kevin, because he was sitting next to you at the hotel one day and wouldn't even talk to you. No, no, you were on the phone. While, oh, while no, yeah, sure. Was... You're a fucking big shot, Byron. That's all right. Big oh. league over here. No, no you're, problem, you're... buddy. Next time I see you, watch what fucking happens. You better hope there's not a window. Oh, um, no, I have I have something going on. I, I won't be able to make it. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Be a little, you're going to be a little fucking tied up? <laughs> you should be. I mean, you big-timed him. Let's face, be honest. Man up and say you big-timed him right now, and maybe he lets you off the hook. Nah, how can I big-time a guy that's 6'4"? Uh, I don't know, Kevin. Somehow you did. Somehow you went into business for yourourself. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? I don't know. I thought... I mean, I was. I thought we were lucky to get you on the show. I was like, oh, yeah. fuck. Byron, big time fucking Kevin Cross. We'd love mm. to have him on the show. There's all these Lucha rumors. He's got all this stuff going on at FSW. Byron's going to fuck this whole thing up. Wow. I'm going to bust out something special for you, Byron. I'm thinking maybe like a uh, second row fucking pile driver or something like that. I mean, uh, what's fair is fair. Whoa. You know? I agree. I don't think that's even. I, I agree. think that's... A balanced uh, retribution there, Casey. Just, what do you I, think? I, it, you, this is this is appropriate, right? Kevin should totally fucking put the put the hurt on Byron, right? I want to see a backdrop driver, Kevin. <laughs> oh, we can do that. No. I mean, we can arrange that. I think it should be arranged. I think we're all in agreement here. I mean, it's hard to do that over the phone for a phone interview. Um, I don't. It's true. You know, 
I want I want what's best for the show and for everyone and also for my neck. Yes. So I'd like to, to you know, for that to not happen. Hey, I've got a, uh, a random question for you. I'll, I'll, I'll get you off the hook here, Byron. I'll actually yeah. ask a legit question here. Um, and now one of your pairs of tights has some kind of Cyrillic writing on it. What is that? Which one? Which one are we talking about? I don't know. I just thought I saw something that maybe it looked like Russian or something. Was there... Ah, now I know what you're talking about. Yes, that is uh, that is Greek lettering for pancratio. It's a direct, uh, it's a direct uh, translation to pancration. Awesome. Huh. See, I, I didn't know, know that. I know the whole history of where it started. It started in the very first Greek Olympics. And uh, I, like I told you, when I get into something, I get very fucking obsessed about it. That it's very interesting. It was a, uh, it was a man named Theogenes who had competed in the, I believe it was one of the first Olympics in Greece. He was beating people to fucking death. And I used to kind of like read these stories and I would kind of visualize them and emulate them on days before I'd go in and I'd spar. And uh, it was kind of like a figure that I would look up to. I imagined how he was and so forth. And I just decided to kind of bring that part of myself into the ring as well. Since we're doing the pancreation stuff, I decided, you know what? I have my UWFI heroes like Volkan and uh, Kostaka and Boss Rutten, of course, as I'm sure you've probably seen a little bit of that uh, over the temple. But, uh, you know, I decided to take it back and really get to know and understand where pancreation came from. So that's what you saw. See, look at that. I, and, and, and I'm normally a very knowledgeable person in that department, and I had no fucking clue. But I was like, I, I have a feeling this means something, so I'm going to ask Kevin about it. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Like, you are definitely a guy who, who does his homework, and you're seriously fucking into it. Um, Absolutely. And speaking of origins, we got to ask you, the, uh, we would look like complete idiots if we didn't ask you this fucking question. Where does the toll man come from? So, in my first two or three months, I was competing with someone out here in Las Vegas. And uh, I basically got on the mic, and I said something along the lines of, everybody wants to walk around here and play the role. Well, guess what? Kevin Cross is on the scene, and now everybody's going to pay the toll. And the audience ran fucking nuts with that. All these monikers and aliases that I've had, I wasn't like uh, coming up with them on my own. It's the Vegas pro wrestling scene, um, and, uh, and a little bit of Oregon, actually, because I was out in Portland for a while as well. Mm-hmm. They gave all that to me, and they just came up with the toll man. So I decided to roll with it. They were calling me toll man for like two or three months so i said fuck it you know what this is who they want me to be i'll give it to them that's what they want that's what it is. that's honestly that's the way you should get a gimmick it's way better you know than somebody at least a nickname you know a gimmick maybe a writer needs to just to fit into the story the right way but at the same time like writers coming up with names like you know Casey, give me give me what the worst gimmick of all time, in your opinion, is. What do you think, Case? Oh, worst gimmick of all time? Um, shit, man, it's a it's a gobbledygooker, man, and that was a Guerrero <laughs> under there. Oh my God, that's sacrilege. <laughs> the gobbledygooker. That's that's it's pretty good. I when I was a kid, uh, my parents would rent me a tape sometimes uh, for like. Uh, for the weekend and I would get these old WWF pay-per-views and I as a kid I remember watching uh what was it like Survivor Series Survivor Series or whatever and the the gobbledygooker came out <laughs> and even as a kid who didn't know anything I knew that that wasn't right that wasn't good that wasn't no. a good gimmick I I'm, I you know and some people are going to kill me for this I could not stand the earthquake gimmick what I didn't like earthquake what? 
<laughs> See, exactly. People are going to kill me for this. I didn't like the earthquake. That wasn't gimmick. even his worst gimmick, Justin. What was his worst gimmick? Mm. Earthquake? <laughs> you don't remember? What were they Do called? Do you remember the shark in the Dungeon of Doom? No, it wasn't oh, even God. that. It was what, Golga? Oh, Goldust? Do you think it's the worst? No, Gold. When he was in the like no, the Earthquake's Howard, other gimmick, the in Attitude Era. Oh, like Goldust from the fucking Oddities with the yeah. mask. Yeah. Dude, the shark was worse when he ditched the gimmick. He had to do a promo saying, "I am a man, not a fish." You have to you, you have to clarify <laughs> things sometimes. You see what I deal with, Kevin? You see what I deal with every week? This. Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's like a, a toss up with. Like maybe the Zodiac that was fucking horrendous, and the Shockmaster. Oh, Shockmaster! Shockmaster. See, there's something wrong with me. I popped for Shockmaster. There's something totally wrong with me. That guy almost main evented WrestleMania. (laughs) Did you guys see the Shockmaster action figure that's the Comic Con exclusive right now? And the packaging even has him falling through the wall, and he's like upside down in the package. Did we sell ad time to these people? No idea. Casey, why why is that even on your radar? Seriously. Dude, I love bad wrestling gimmicks. Like, so many people sent that to me personally. <laughs> That's that, I believe that. Well, I'm here to say Toll Man is not a bad gimmick because once you see Kevin wrestle, um, you know, it's going to blow your mind, and, and people do pay the toll. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely worth seeing. I'm excited for the Lucha Underground fans, uh, you know, because we know a ton of them. I'm excited for you yeah. uh, to be a part of it. And and I don't know where the FSW stuff's going, too, but I've been, you know, yeah. following that, too. And it's been pretty awesome. You've had a, a pretty good run there, a very impressive run um, to, to boot. So, you know, and that's something you're going to be allowed to keep doing when you're doing Lucha stuff, too, right? As far as uh, everything looks right now, it looks like I'll be safe, and uh, which which makes me very happy because, you know, uh, hypothetically, if things uh, fall where they may, I would be very happy to bear both flags everywhere I go. So that would mean a lot to me to be able to represent uh, those two places. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's, that's looking like. That's one of the cool things about Lucha, too. I, I mean, from the way I've heard it for, for a lot of people's deals, as long as it's not um, national television at another place, um, they can do it, and they can do other countries and whatnot. They just can't do something with national TV in the U.S. I don't know what your, what your situation looks like, but hopefully that means that, you know, you keep fucking holding it down in Vegas because I so badly want to get out there and see you just crush somebody. Yeah. Um, and it's not very far from L.A., so we'd love to come out and see you just put the hurt on somebody out there in Vegas. I'm excited. You to... guys, you guys, let me know when you're going to be on your way, and I'll keep you posted on the dates. And uh, I'd love to have you down here. And it'll be a fucking massacre if I know you guys are coming. Oh, be a little something special. That's all I want. Oh, I mean, awesome. and, and you know, and if some of that massacre happens to spill out into the crowd and, and end up on Byron, or we're Casey, fine with that. Like if you want to crush Casey, no, no, Casey's he's, head, what he, I do? we could put he's it on fine the with podcast. Casey. He's, he's fine with Casey. It's it's wow. this is what we're gonna do. I'm going to FedEx you guys some fucking ski masks. And when I hold up the sign, you come out of the audience, right? Bring your chairs. Right, And we'll play ball. (laughs) Sounds perfect. Sounds like how I used to do it in Cleveland. I think we need to specify whose side we're on when we enter the ring with the chair. We're in business for ourselves. They're going to be on my side, but you're not going to be on my side. I like this. I we think gotta, this works. Yeah, no, we got to we got to keep discussing this. It works great for us. We and we, look, Kevin, don't feel bad for me and Casey. We have other uh, co-hosts lined up. Uh, there's people at like in a line 
You know, Jimmy wants to fucking do it. Brandon will do it. There's lots of guys who will definitely fill in for Byron if he happens to get murdered. We're fine with a snuff film. But who's going to take care of my cat? We'll take care of your cat. Your cat's over. My cat doesn't like it. I'll take care of your fucking cat. Oh. <laughs> I like it. I All think right. it's settled. I think it's settled. Now we're getting out. I'm going to get my ski mask. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything you want to plug, brother? I have a YouTube channel. It's simply titled Kevin Cross. There's a lot of free uh, footage on there. Uh, I think there's like anywhere from 50 to 60 videos that are up on it from the very first time that it started, matches, promos, etc. By all means, check it out. Also on Twitter, Twitter handle is Across the World, A-K-R-O-S-S, The World. Also have an Instagram account. Kevin's going to kill you because I really fucking will. And uh, I advise you guys to check it out. And thank you very much for having me on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Oh, dude, it was great Thanks, having you on. And, and you have a standing invitation to come back anytime you want, talk about whatever. Um, and obviously, you know, if you do debut on TV for Lucha Underground, we, we certainly have to have you back then. But until then, dude, seriously, open invitation anytime. You want to come on, like you watch a good fight, you watch a good wrestling match somewhere, you want to talk about it somewhere, you call us up, you're on the show. You got it, brother? I got it. I definitely will take you up on that. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kevin. We will talk to you soon, and we're going to get back to the uh, rest of our podcast here about uh, this new episode of Lucha Underground. Thanks, brother. Awesome. Thank you. All right, folks. Right now, we are joined by, once again, the toll man, Kevin Cross. Uh, Kevin, how's it going? You're on with Justin and Byron, and Jimmy's is in here too. Uh, Jimmy Five, our boy. Um, what's going on out there in Vegas? Is it hot out there? It's very hot. It's been 110 degrees every single day, and I'm loving every second of it. Wow. Jesus, are you kidding me? 110? It's nuts. Uh, you know, on East Coast Point, it took me a little while to climatize, but uh, you know what? Uh, it's nice. You get up in the morning, it's about 100 degrees, you go for a nice run. You get back inside before the sun comes out or you're dead. So, <laughs> exciting. And this this is why you're in shape and I'm a big, fat piece of shit. <laughs> um, so, did you see the fights? Did you see these? This, I mean, like, I, I feel like since Ultima Lucha came on TV, I haven't stopped going. I watched Ultima Lucha. Then the next day, there was uh, the, the, the Eddie Alvarez card. And then the day after that, there's the fucking... Uh, ultimate fighter card and then the day after that there's the the ufc 200 then there's the hall of fame and then there's another fucking fight last night i feel like i feel like i've been in a fight <laughs> it's been non-stop combat man i've seen it all and uh i mean it's been a really crazy <laughs> past seven days i gotta agree with you i did watch the ufc fights um you gotta be honest though i caught the tail end of the pay-per-view because i actually had a show that day but i caught misha's fight and okay. I caught Brock's fight, and I caught another fight that I'm not recalling. Oh, yeah, it was uh, DC and D- Silva. DC Silva. Well, what did you think of that? Now, I, I, that's such a tough one. I mean, that, we're talking about a fight that was on two days' notice for those guys. And, you know, it was a little sleepy time for the crowd, I thought. But what did you think of it? Well, here's, here's the thing that a lot of people won't understand unless they think about it neurotically like I do. But, uh, you know, when... When somebody's coming up and they've got all this momentum, you know, they're just wrecking people like Silva did. I think it was a, a no-brainer for anyone who, who grew up watching mixed martial arts or watched Pride that Silva was going to get to UFC, it was going to be a fucking disaster. Uh, he was going to run through people really fast, and he did. 
And then he he surpassed even you know farther what people thought he was going to be able to do. But when you have two severe losses like that um, with uh, Weidman, both to the same guy, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, he had losses after that and whatnot, but they weren't devastating losses like breaking your fucking leg in half and yeah. then getting knocked, knocked out while you're showboating. Um, it's like that guy with all the momentum and that guy that was wrecking people, he no longer exists after something like that happens even once. You know, so for those two things to happen, I think it's traumatized his mentality. Not him as a character or a person, but he's not the same fighter. He'll never be the same fighter. Well, and I think that was evidenced in the in the Michael Bisping fight uh, a few months back, too. I mean, he lost to Bisping, who he should have honestly outmatched. But in that fight, they looked like they were dead even to me. It was crazy. Yeah, I got to agree with you. And again, it's like... You wonder, is that him being apprehensive? Is he getting different feedback from his coaches? Because a lot of times, you know, when there's a lot of money on the table and you build a rapport with your coaches, it's like whether you feel like you should be doing something else other than what you've been told, and respect your coaches, you're going to do exactly what they tell you. And then sometimes the feedback is not what you're seeing firsthand. So, like, again, we're never going to know what the situation was at this point. But I agree with you entirely. And there was that one moment that everybody saw that, it's funny, ironically, more people talk about this than Bisping winning, but when he hit that knee on the cage, oh yeah, and, you know, if there was another three seconds in the fight, that would have been the end of the fight, but I feel like that Silva's gone, man. I feel like he's, he's no longer there. I agree. I agree. And I feel, I, I, I kind of feel bad for DC, but I kind of don't. Like, I think he just needs to embrace being a heel at this point. You yeah. know, people just can't seem to relate to the guy. I don't think that he's a bad guy. I think that people don't relate to him, so they heal him out. And at this point, I think he should just go for it. It's like, dude, you're an Olympian. None of the rest of us are a freaking Olympian. You know, none of the rest of us are training with a bunch of, you know, other guys who've held belts. I think people just don't see him to be as realistic. And then he gets this face pop for, for an MMA guy, which is hilarious. He gets a face pop for a day when John Jones screws up. Not because of anything good that DC did. But John Jones yeah. screws up. He gets this fucking face pop for a day. And I think he was feeling good about himself. And then he gets in there in the cage with with uh, Silva. He does exactly what Brock Lesnar did. And the crowd fucking boos him. I mean, he just can't win for trying. I mean, it was so hilarious to me. I'm like, poor DC. Like, dude, you're just a heel now. It, it's, it's uncontrollable sometimes. And I'm sure you know this too. Sometimes the crowd just goes a direction. You can't break them from it. Doesn't matter how you get booked. Doesn't matter who you're against. The crowd just wants to boo you at a certain point. And then you just got to embrace it and like make that the reason people watch you, right? Exactly. And it's the crowd is so invested in the guys that he's fighting. It's even though he's getting the W in the eyes of the audience, he just can't win. I mean, that's exactly what it is. You know, Koscheck was really smart about this a long time ago. Obviously, he wasn't successful with DC, but, you know, Koscheck was getting those fights where he um, was competing against people that the crowd was emotionally invested in, and they just booed him just because he was Josh Koscheck against their guy. And he ran with it. He was like, it's no problem. If you want me to play that role and they'll sell tickets to get me paid, then I'll do it. Yeah. Um, you know, DC should. I agree with you. He should capitalize on it 100%. What do you think of the Brock fight? Uh, the Brock fight, I think, was a, was a total success, man. I'm really glad that he was able to get the W in that. Uh, funny story, actually. I haven't really told anybody about this. So, two Uh-oh, or three days. <laughs> yeah, yep. Two or three days before uh, he actually fought, I actually saw him in a yard house. Uh, I was uh, in Las Vegas here. It was at Town Square. So he's sitting down, and I walk in, and I've got a Lucha Underground sweater on. 
So I see this fucking Hulk of a human being with a cowboy hat <laughs> sitting down on the bench. Yeah, he's big. And I was like, yeah, I was like, he's looking at me, like he's staring right at me under the brim of his hat. And I was like, ah, I know that guy, but we're having this awkward moment where we're both looking at each other and I don't know who he is, so I'm not going to say hello. So I turn away and I'm like, ah, I'm being stupid. So I turn back around. And then he stands up, and he's still looking at me, and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's Brock. He starts walking away. I had met Brock uh, maybe five or six months ago uh, on the Hell in a Cell loop. I had met him backstage. Right. I, d- I doubt he'd remember it was me. Maybe it was just the hoodie. I don't know what it was. But it was kind of like that, that moment, like the quickening in Highlander when the two immortals both walk into the room, and they're like, they sense that something is fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, Connor and fucking the Kurgan inside the church. They just know that they're there before. Anyways, it was funny. But the reason I bring it up is because when I saw him, and I've been around professional athletes my entire life, I've cut weight before. If you guys saw in person how lean he was, it was very evident that this guy was doing nothing but conditioning. I mean, he was extremely lean. He was like, when people lean out and they're healthy, they got like a glow to them. There's an energy to them. And I was like, fuck, I know exactly what he's going to do. It's exactly what I thought he was going to do, what I told everyone he's going to do. He's going to blitz for that take down. He's going to shoot low and try to cut off the angle. And I'm glad it worked. I'm really glad it worked. And, uh, well, you I did. You called it right, man. You said it here on the show that that's what you thought was going to happen. Um, me and, and J-Man from The Last Real Heels on our, our podcast the week after that, we kind of backed it up, too. I just really felt like, dude, he's not going to take this fight if he doesn't know something that the rest of us don't know. And what he knew was that he's in the shape to just get in there, take survive a couple punches, because he did survive a few punches. Yeah, he took a real yep. good one. Yeah, he took a couple real good ones, which which I was proud of him for, because people have always criticized him for for not having the strongest chin or being afraid to take a punch, this, that, and the other thing. And, I, I mean, he got right in there. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He took him down on the ground. And and I'm going to say this about the fight, that the, 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 the second round wasn't pretty, but I don't think it was his fault. And I'll get into that later in the podcast, and I'm not going to waste your time with it. But I, I have a theory about why that second round wasn't what Brock should have done. But you were absolutely right. That was the game plan. That was the way for him to win. Um, you said that he had been working on his jujitsu, and and you know a couple other people asked me like, why do I think that Brock could possibly win? And everyone was like, dude, you're supposed to be an MMA mark. You're supposed to be the guy who keeps it real between wrestling and MMA. And people are looking at me like I'm an idiot. Like, why are you picking Brock? And I'm just like, dude, I just feel like, you know, he is an MMA fighter too. Yeah, he's a wrestler, but he's got something. There's something behind what he's saying right now. And that's not the kind of guy at this stage in his life that is going to take this fight if he doesn't feel like he can really win. These guys who get a bunch of money... They, there's no like he could be GSP right now. He could be sitting somewhere on a fucking ranch, driving a four wheeler all day long, and not doing any of this shit. He doesn't need the money from Vince. He doesn't need the money from Dana. He doesn't need the money. Well, he could have picked any opponent too. I, yeah. I agree with you 100. percent So for a guy like that to get up off the couch, you know, we haven't seen his ass at all since WrestleMania. Vince couldn't get him up off the couch. Vince, <laughs> you know, Vince ran out of days on his contract for the year. Vince couldn't say, "Dude, I'll give you a, a nice car if you come back and do a couple TV appearances for." Like nothing was getting this guy to move, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, I want to take some hits in the face from Mark Hunt." Like, <laughs> this, you don't say that unless you know something that the rest of us don't know. And what he knew was like, "Dude, he's feeling good. He's finally over the thing, the diverticulitis. He he really wants to get back in there and show the world that he's still got something in the in the tank." And uh, you were right, man. You were right. I give you all the props in the world. I, I, you had a feeling about it. I agreed with you, and and I was really happy to see that win. And and I don't feel bad for Mark Hunt at all. Like 
Mark Hunt had an off day. Everyone knows why he lost. I don't think it hurts his stock one single bit, and it would have crushed Brock's. Yeah, yeah. and he even apologized yeah, for I it. I agree. Too. Yeah. I, I just, I still can't get used to seeing how big and strong Brock Lesnar is and how fast he moves. Have you ever seen him in person? No. Oh, my God. I, I, I met him once when I did a spot. Uh, I was doing audio or something on Ultimate Fighter this season that him and Junior coached. And when I met Brock, and I was standing next to Matt Hughes, who's, you know, who I've done a bunch of stuff with. Matt, you know, Matt's about my size, but but bigger, you know, tougher. <laughs> and then Brock walks up, and I was scared. Like, I wanted to stand behind Matt. I, I didn't know quite what to do. And, like, Brock was literally two or three of me put together into one human being. And he was being nice. He was being pleasant. And still, still, I was slightly scared. And I will say this. That, uh, Kevin, if you and Brock ever do have that quickening moment, <laughs> if that ever actually does go down, please, dear Lord, I will pay any price in the world to be there for that. I will. I don't care if it's in an alley, in a ring, in a cage. Like, I will pay $1,000 a ticket for that. I feel it in every single molecule of my body that that match will get booked somewhere, someday, someplace. I absolutely know it. I know it's going to happen. And it's going to be a funny story to tell them, too, that that... Like, I don't even I don't even know if he recognized me as a person from there or not, but I just at the time I was there with my wife and I, she's just like, don't you think you should go say hello? You guys are in the same industry. I said, hey, he's he's cutting weight. And I just ran into him in a restaurant and I think it would be the longest winded hello at Do You Remember Me that he really doesn't need right now. The guy's fighting you fucking four days. So. Yeah, you know the the cutting weight thing too, and, and a lot of people don't realize that Brock is one of the heavyweights that cuts weight. There's plenty of them that sit around 245 all the time. He cuts down to 265, which is amazing. Like, you know, yeah. people think that, that that fight, they were evenly matched in weight, but Hunt probably actually sits right around 263, 264. He walks around at that. He doesn't cut shit. Uh, Brock cuts down to that weight and was probably back up at like 280 for the fight or more, um, yeah. especially with the new weight-cutting policy. Um so, yeah, Brock's, Brock's just quite possibly one of the most intimidating humans I've ever actually laid eyes on. Um, Misha Tate, what do you think about that? I, I, I did not expect this one to go that way. I did not call this fight right. I will not lie. Amanda Nunes uh, did some things out there that I wasn't expecting. You said you saw a little bit of that one. What did you think of the ladies? Uh, it was really hard to watch. You know, I got really behind Misha Tate. She's like the... Uh... I feel like she's the biggest underdog in the women's sport right now that I know of. Because all the time. Such, yeah, man. She's had a really storied career of ups and downs and all kinds of shit. And, you know, finally when she got herself to the big dance and she beat Holly Holmes, which was going to be the next fucking Terminator of the women's division, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's I, 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 I chalk it up to this. So everyone knows now that Ultimate Fighting Championship, and I've said it before, you know, it seems, you know, from a fan perspective, that they've monopolized a lot of the revenue coming in. A lot of the fighters, especially the women, I feel are not making as much um, as they possibly could be because they don't have that drawing ability. The fans right. and the people of the world, they're, they're not familiar with all of them yet because a lot of the airtime's going towards the people that they're already invested in. So therefore, they can't pay them like stars yet because they're not stars. So what you wind up breeding is you end up breeding a division of starving, hungry, vicious motherfuckers like Nunes, where <laughs> she, she was like, I'm not letting this slip away. This may be my only opportunity for another period of time, you know, for an extended period of time. You know, she did her homework. Her, her, her camp got together, and obviously they studied taping her, and they exploited her, and they fucking destroyed her. And it was really hard to watch. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, and it, it was sad. And, and this, this happens, though. You know, I think, you know, these people that are coming up, they do get that hunger. They do get that fire. It's one of the reasons why I picked uh, Eddie Alvarez to win, too. I just thought that, man, he had something right now. He's on a streak, and he got beat by Cowboy when he first came into the UFC, and he was just pissed and hungry, and he was like, I want what the rest of you guys have. I'm tired of people not thinking I'm at the top of the lightweight division. And he did the yeah. same thing to RDA that you know Nunez did, too. And that's this is where upsets come from. I mean, Holly Holm was kind of the same thing. She had been wallowing away. Greg Jackson had her doing you know, these local events and these smaller things, and you could see her on Access TV or whatever on a Friday night, but you weren't seeing her in the big show, and then she finally gets into the UFC, has a couple slow performances, but she was hungry. She was hungry when she beat Ronda, and you're absolutely right about Nunez. And there's some other ones. Pena, um, yeah. you probably didn't see it because you, you were uh, busy earlier in the night, but Pena had a great fight against Kat Zingano, and I think it's the same thing. You know, now she's hungry, so maybe her and Nunez are going to square off if, if Ronda doesn't want to come back and take the fight soon. So we'll, we'll see. That's a, a tough, tough division now. There's a yeah. lot of angry, pissed-off ladies that all want the crown, especially now that they've seen Ronda fall. Yes. Absolutely. They all want to show uh, the promoters and they want to show the fan base that any one of them can carry that torch. And I think right now, um, you know, I, I wonder if UFC ever does these things that all corporations do and they try to position people for a political move to, uh, you know, optimize revenue in terms of whether they go with the American girl that they give those fights to where she can probably win and represent, right. or they're going to go with someone who's bilingual to sell a view buys elsewhere, maybe in Mexico, maybe in Brazil. I mean, Brazil has a loyal fan base. There's so many excellent Brazilian fighters. Do they position Cyborg to get ahead of the rest of the girls and give her the fight that they know she's going to win, which are pretty much all of them, I think, at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Or do they try to give it back to Holly, the American girl, you know what I mean, and, and try to work that fan base? It'll be interesting to see what happens. It's, it's tough, too, because I don't think it's going to be Holly, not because she doesn't fall into that category, but because Dana White absolutely despises her manager, I think. And that's a whole other story. And he's not a huge fan of Greg Jackson either. As much, you know, as Greg has right. provided him champions and whatnot, Greg has been a smart guy and always been a little bit of a pain in Dana's ass. And now that Dana is running the show over there, um, for real, you know, with the new investors buying out the Fertitas, no one can go to Lorenzo and cry to Uncle Lorenzo that Dana's right. treating them, mis you know, wrong. So uh, I don't think that Holly's going to get the, the huge push Per se, but UFC, you know, also, I think they've got a smart business model going right now in the fact that what they'll do is find a way to exploit the market that their champions are in. You know, I'm a Clevelander originally, and UFC has never once thought about going to Cleveland, but they get Steve Miocic as a champion, and they're like, ah, fuck it, we'll go to Cleveland. You know, right. they, they right. got Joanna Janjacek. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a UFC in Poland, you know, and they're trying to open up Asia now for those, those you know, fighters. So I think the, the fortunate thing about where UFC is right now is like, hey, instead of trying to find the fighters that open the markets up for us, let's go to the markets that are opened up to us by fighters, which is super cool. Like companies haven't been able to do that in the past. And believe yes. you me, if they were really going to try to hotshot somebody into a championship to open up a market, they need some more Mexican fighters. That's a huge yes. fight culture. I know, I know Dana would love for Cain Velasquez to have and defend that belt like 10 times in Mexico City, though Ooh. Kane just can't seem to fight outside of sea level. Um, 
so Mexico City seems to be a problem for him. Like Denver and Mexico City seem to be the places Cain Velasquez needs to never ever fight. But at the same time, that guy is a huge draw for them for a Mexican crowd, and and they need a few more of those too. They need some seriously uh, high caliber Latino fighters that are not Brazilian, because you know Americans think the Brazilian fighters count. No, they're not. All brown people are not the same. You know, we need some serious Mexican fighters, especially. Um, besides just Kane, because Kane, even even a healthy Kane is only going to fight twice a year. Yep. They they need that. So, but I agree with you. That's a very very valid point about Nunez. Um, she was just viciously viciously hungry, and we all saw a huge upset. Well, now, Misha, Misha can't even fight for like six months, is it? Uh, yeah, is it she's eight? on medical suspension. I think after that, because one. her face is uh, just because they broken. broke her nose. Yeah, yeah. Her, her her nose is broken, and I think there was a, cr- a fracture in her orbital or something too. It was not pretty. Oh, she fuck. got beat up. Yeah, but now now look at this. If if that was one of us, not you, Kevin, but if that was one of the rest of us here, yeah, I wouldn't have been at the press conference. I would have been sobbing quietly into a pillow somewhere. I can't see myself like coming with the ice bag and the cloth. She comes down to the press conference. And this is a, this is a pretty woman here too. Who does not care about her image at the time. She's just doing as a fighter, what she's supposed to do. She goes to the press conference, sits there and answers questions with her face blown up. She looked worse than Casey. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. It just goes to show too the the respect she has for the sport. Because Kevin can't hear me and these guys are giving me shit. (laughs) Casey Sorry, doesn't have headphones. Casey doesn't have, have headphones. We don't have enough headphones. Hi, Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> I hear you a little bit. What were you going to uh, say? Kevin said that he hates your guts, Casey. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, uh, you know, it just goes to show Misha's respect for the sport and the fan base and her sponsorships and endorsements uh, that she did try to show up. She even had some after parties out here in Vegas that she had pre-planned appearances for. She even showed up to those. She honored all of Jeez. her agreements. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Now that's yeah. that's the true heart of a champion to me. That would do that. That's amazing. Um, all right, so I got to ask you this, Kevin. You were you said you were busy uh, earlier Saturday night. What were you doing? What was going on? I went back to FSW. Uh, we had signed a contract. The owner showed us up on I like I was telling you. We uh, met on mutual terms, uh, common ground, so to speak. Part of what I had asked for when I was going to come back was I didn't ask for more money. I didn't ask for any perks. I didn't ask for anything like that. I just said. If I come back, two things are going to happen. Either one, they're going to put that commissioner, Paulie Culver, in the ring with me, and we're going to have a street oh, fight. Yeah. It's not going to be a, yeah, it's not going to be a fucking wrestling match with headlocks. That's this guy couldn't wrestle his way out of fucking anything. So <laughs> this is this is going to be a street fight. Well, that's only and fair for him. Happen. That's only fair for him. I like that. You know, he's he's a, he's an undersized guy compared to you. So street fight evens the playing field a little bit for him. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, the other option is uh, if he's not going to agree to it, if he's not going to, you know, show up and do this, then he's fucking fired. He can just get the fuck out of here. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's basically that's basically what it is. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's very good at his job. He's very good at making matches, and he's very good as a public representative for the company. And he also seems to be to- pretty good at pissing you off. Yeah, he's good at pissing off a lot of people. Uh, a lot of the people out here in Vegas want to want to hang him up and beat the fuck out of him like a pinata. So they're going to live vicariously for me July 22nd at the Silverton Hotel and Casino. Uh, the name of the show is Crossroads in honor of me. <laughs> and and uh, it's going to be FSW and... You know, we're going to break fucking uh, Paulie Cobra in half. I got, yeah, I, I got to say, 
you know, if I'm your opponent, I seriously don't want to show up to the pay-per-view or to the, the event that's named after the guy I'm fighting. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't bode well for Pauly. No, we're going to give the people exactly what they've been asking for. He's, him and I have been going back and forth for almost a year now. And, uh, you know, this is just, this is what has to happen. I mean, when diplomacy fails, you know, you have to get your fucking face punched in. This is what's going to happen on the 22nd. <laughs> well, I, look, we're all in your corner strongly, Kevin. But I think what we're going to do is, uh, you know, we're going to tweet out to Paulie some tips to get him through this uh, halfway safely or yeah, maybe with a smaller hospital bill. Maybe away. we'll. We'll tell him how to tuck his chin if you know if he's going to land on his back yeah. or something. Maybe we'll give him a few pointers just to help him along because I'm not worried about you winning this at all. I'm just I'm, I'm I'm partially worried for the guy's safety. To be honest, I'm I'm a little scared for his life. He looks like well, a giant yeah, I, well, everyone is a little bit. You know, he's got something coming to him. This is you know what goes around comes around. That's all I can say. I mean, I'm I'm not a, such a fucking bad guy. I, I have a res, uh, like a room reserved for him at the University of Delaware Hospital. You know, his name's on the fucking door already, kind of like a, a preset tombstone. So I found my way to do all that for him, at least. Well, speaking of you killing regular guys, I ran a little poll on our Mask Mats and Mayhem page <laughs> that uh, just asked people, you know, like, hey, you heard Kevin on our show. Like, who would you like to see out there? Who's in the world that you, you'd like him to face? We put Cody Rhodes on there. We threw Kurt Angle on there. We threw Jeff Cobb on there. And we threw Byron, our uh, co-host, on there. Hi. And uh, luckily for Byron, as it stands right now, and there's still four days left in this poll, by the way, shithead. Don't think that you're completely out of this yet. I'm doing push-ups every day just in case. Yeah, you better keep doing those push-ups. Um, right now, and I find this very interesting, the lead is Kurt Angle. Uh, by how many votes? Because I haven't voted yet. Well, then get on the freaking internet and vote, man. Uh, right now, 36% of the people who have voted have said... Kurt Angle, uh, followed by Byron and Jeff Cobb tied at 22%, and Cody <laughs> Rhodes in third at 20%. And everyone knows Cody's going to Bola, so after Bola, let's let's get him in the ring with Cross and get him beat up. Um, but, but what do you think about this Kurt Angle thing, man? I think that's an awesome name to just just be thrown around, to be bandied about with the, the likes of the Toll Man. I think it's uh, very flattering. It's awesome, and that's obviously another match that I really like to do. It was funny when the uh, when the story started breaking a little bit uh, on the internet, the rumors about Lucha Underground and so forth. All the headlines were Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, and me. And I was like, the little kid in me when I saw that, I was like, that's that's pretty fucking awesome. You know, I, I took a picture of that on my phone, and I just saved it on my phone just so you know. I, it's like a reminder to me that hard work does pay off. And so does beating the shit out of people for others' entertainment. <laughs> that seems to pay off. That seems to pay off. So uh, it feels good, and I would love to do the massive angle. A lot of people have actually reached out to them about this. This is kind of like a national thing that's going that's going around right now. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I know he has prior obligations and contractual obligations and blah blah blah. But if he really wants to do that match, and I won't put words in his mouth, but if he wants to do it, he'll do it. So we'll see, right? Yeah, I mean, it, and honestly, to, to all of us, it's just intriguing. And I just, that's it, one of those things where you get the two right guys in that fucking ring and you just know, you know ahead of time they're going to bring each other to another level. 
And, yep. you know, that's I think that's why you're getting that, because wrestling fans see that the wrestling fans that know you. And, and obviously, we've all seen a lot of what Kurt can do. It's just like these are the two right guys that can work a style in that ring that everyone wants to see, because we know it'll tear it down. We know it'll just burn the place to the ground. Um, so we want to see that. And, you know, I kind of I throw Cobb in there, too. Like, I, I would I'd like to see you and Cobb go at it, to be honest. We- we have been trying to get that match to happen for quite some time here in Vegas, but uh, that's a Pauly Cobra thing. That's another thing. He's, he's kept the two of us away from each other. And, uh, son of a bitch. Ooh, I, don't, yeah. I don't like him now. It's another, it's another reason why he's going to get his eyeballs slapped out of his fucking sockets. And, um, you know, the, it may happen in California. It may happen in Arizona, but I have a feeling it's going to happen somewhere by the end of this year. So uh, Jeff and I have already agreed to competing against each other. It's just a matter of someone booking it. Oh, well, good. That would be something badass to see. I would love that. Jimmy, you got any questions Absolutely. for the toll man? Uh, you weren't here the last time we talked to him. I feel like he got everything covered pretty much, man. I mean... I mean, we wanted to check in with you about the UFC thing, too. I love the yeah. I love the wrestlers that are fans. Like I said, we're going to have Vinny on a little bit later, too, and he's going to probably... Uh, he's going to go off on, on the UFC because I know he was glued to his television for like five days straight watching fights. Um, but, dude, again, you always have an invitation. Stop by any time. We're so glad to have you on tonight. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. All right. Oh, what do you got coming up next? What's your very next thing? It's the Pauly Culver thing. When's that? That's on the July, 22nd? July, yep, July 22nd in Las Vegas at the Silverton Hotel and Casino. And then at the end of this month in North Carolina – I believe the name of the event is Injustice for All. I will be competing against Cedric Alexander, and I will be breaking his fucking neck. God oh. damn. Wow. So, well, you heard good it. Good luck you heard with that uh, cruiserweight, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> really, really, really pissed me off. He really pissed me off about a month ago. Uh, there was some sort of comment. I'll try to make it quick. It was some sort of comment that he had made. See, Bill Apter is running this uh, invitational, and right. Bill actually hand, he, he handpicked me to be a part of this invitational. He didn't handpick anybody else. He just handpicked me, and the whole entire thing is is for him, about him. He's helped organize this, okay? And then uh, Charlie Hartman had picked Cedric Alexander. They got some comment from him, and he was very snide and insincere, and I know he didn't do his homework. So just out of the fact that he spoke about me in such a cavalier manner, he's getting dumped on his fucking head. And another thing, too, Veda Scott was very arrogant and basically addressed me in the same manner. So it's kind of like, that's the direction we're going in. I hope you like head kicks. I hope you like getting socket kicked in your fucking face. Good so, lord. That's July 30th. July 30th. Okay. Well, this month seems like it's going to be full of fireworks, and most of them are going to be coming from the feet and hands of Kevin Cross. <laughs> That's Dear right. Lord, um, well, I hope for Byron's sake that he doesn't win that poll and, and never has to stand across from you in any kind angle. of negative way. Byron's up to 24% right now, by the way. Oh, <laughs> we, people are voting as we speak right now to make this thing happen. Dear Lord. But I want to see the Kurt Angle thing, guys. Don't fuck this up too bad. I want to see Kurt Angle's neck get snapped. Yeah. Maybe it can be a three-way where it's Byron versus Kurt and Kevin Cross. <laughs> oh, sorry, Byron. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, look, Kurt broke his neck a couple times. Maybe that'll help you. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go and we're going to talk about this UFC sale a little bit. But thank you so much for joining us Thanks, again, Kevin. Kevin. We really appreciate having you on. And um, yeah, after this season of Lucha Underground wraps, we're going to we're going to be doing like 
a retrospective from season one. We're going to talk about a lot of the season one episodes. So maybe we'll have you on to talk about some old Lucha Underground and what you thought of season one when everyone was just discovering this product uh, for the first time. That would be awesome. I'd love to do it. All right, great. Thanks for talking to us, Kevin. We will get at you soon, brother. My pleasure. Thank you. Until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix.